What's up, everybody? I'm so glad that you're listening today. I want to share something with you. My little one came to me the other day and said something to me that really, I mean, it, it touched my heart. Like, I can't even begin to explain um, how much it touched my heart. But she came up to me and said, Dad, I want to be just like you. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, I want to tell the world about Jesus. I want to tell other people about Jesus like you do. And she was referring to this podcast. And I have to say, guys, I love having you guys listening out there. I love uh, being able to help and encourage others in their walk. And I love being able to just share God's truth with, with all of you guys. And But I have to say, no matter how many people listen to this podcast, even if no one listens to this podcast, just knowing that me doing this podcast is having that kind of influence on her means absolutely everything to me. And I got to say, man, it touched me in such a mighty way that it really gets me pumped about doing these podcasts just because I know she's watching and I see the impact that it's having on her and that means everything to me. So I hope, guys, that this message today will be a blessing to you. I hope it will encourage you in your faith. You know, here's something to really think about. Remember, as a believer, this is all of heaven, you know, I'm sorry, all of hell that we will ever see. But for those who don't believe, who aren't saved, this is all of heaven they will ever see. Now, can you imagine this world being, you know, as good as it gets? This is the best that we'll ever see. How depressing and sad would that be? But the truth is, in so many cases, for so many people, this is as good as it's ever going to get. Because they don't believe. You know what? The fact is, is we hold the truth. We hold the truth. We are carriers of that truth. But we are not sharing that truth. And it doesn't have to always be preaching or being good at talking you know, to others. If we live a life unrestrained, if we boldly proclaim the truth of God in the way we live and treat people, I believe God will take care of the rest. I believe he will pour out his anointing and favor on his people. And you know, and we will become the light that we were purposed to be. I believe when God's people truly open their heart and fully surrender and choose to live unrestrained, we will be able to pray bold prayers and exercise Elijah-sized faith. I believe God will bring revival and turn this world on its head. Okay, guys, so have you ever been knocked down? I don't always mean physically, but you know, has life or someone knocked you down and you had to pick yourself up? You know, if you let, let it, life will beat you down. It will knock you down and try to keep you there. But God made us to be more than conquerors. So we have to rise from the ashes and let the enemy know, is that all you got? I won't be moved. I am a child of the Most High. You can't stop me. Know your place, Satan. I will walk in the strength of Jesus. That's right. Satan gave Jesus the best he had, and Jesus called him out with, with Scripture, essentially saying, Is that all you got, Satan? Jesus faced death and rose from the grave, and again telling death, Is that all you got? Even death must bow to Jesus. That is the strength that we walk in as believers in Jesus. Today we continue with lessons from Elijah. 
And this story is one that always gets me fired up. I mean, you can't read it without it making you want to jump up and say, take that. You know, or you just got punked talking about the false prophets. That's what I'm talking about. That's my God. And then, you know, of course, Elijah has to look at them and, and say, you know, who looks stupid now? But, you know, this story is about a man of God that basically is told to go and punk 850 false prophets. You know, it was time. It was time to tell them to put up or shut up. It was time these charlatans were called out and exposed for the liars that they were. Now, as we jump into this showdown story with Elijah and all the false prophets, let me set it up for you. So after three years of drought and staying with the widow and her son, God tells Elijah to go and present himself to King Ahab. Now, King Ahab and Jezebel had been looking for Elijah for several years, but never could find him. Clearly, God is the undefeated champion in hide-and-seek. Now, on his way to present himself uh, to King Ahab, Elijah runs into Obadiah, the palace administrator for, for Ahab. So Obadiah is also a devout follower of God and has been secretly hiding prophets and the prophets of God in two caves. He has managed to hide 50 in each cave. So this reminds me that God always positions the right people in the right place for the right time and for the right purpose. But let's move on. Elijah tells Obadiah to go and tell the king that he has come to meet him, but Obadiah is afraid that Elijah will disappear again and the king will kill him for, you know, of course, for not delivering Elijah. But Elijah assures him that he will present himself to the king. So Elijah meets up with the king and the king calls him a troublemaker for Israel. And this is where the showdown begins. Man, this gets me excited already, just, just getting to this point. So in 1 Kings 18, 18 through 19, it says, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you are you and your father's family have. So he calls the king out right here, and he says, I haven't, I haven't made any trouble for Israel, but you have, and your father's family has. And he goes on, he says, you have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals, or the false gods, the false prophets. Now, and he tells, so Elijah gives him an order and he tells him, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Man, I mean, you, you want to be like shots fired. Look at the boldness of Elijah. The man that you know the man that has been hunting him for years calls him a troublemaker and Elijah calls the king out and gives him the order Elijah is like brother i mean come on i know who's on my side you can't touch me and he speaks with authority calling out the king and the false prophets and the pretenders verse 21 Elijah it says Elijah went before the people and said how long will you waver between two opinions if the Lord is God follow him but if Baal is God follow him but the people said nothing now Elijah calls out the people of Israel for their sin and and for their wishy-washy faith if God is God then follow him and stop this ridiculousness verse 22 through 24 then Elijah said to them 
I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it uh, on the wood, but not set it on fire. I will, pre- I will prepare uh, the other bull and put it on the wood and I will not set it on fire. Then you will call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. So they agreed. Okay. So Elijah lays down the rules for this epic showdown, and the people accept it. Now they were probably thinking, we got this. We have him outnumbered, 850 to 1. But they failed to realize God's math doesn't work like that. God's math is very different. When God is involved, the other side is always outnumbered. They didn't stand a chance. So Elijah tells the prophets of Baal to go first, since there are so many of them. So they prepare the bull of their choice and begin calling their God to send fire. This goes on from morning till noon, and Elijah obviously gets bored with their shenanigans. And so he starts taunting them. Verse 27, it says, At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is in deep thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. You know, this would have been an epic day. I would have been rolling on the ground at this point, laughing at them. Elijah is such a gangster with this. I mean, he already knows that, you know, there is only one God. And he is the one that is ordering Elijah's steps. Well, these guys continue their little reindeer games all the way till till the evening, shouting louder, cutting themselves by, you know, but nothing happened. Finally, Elijah has given them all day, but now, now it's God's turn. Look at Elijah's confidence and faith in God. He raises the stakes. He arranges the altar to the Lord according to God's instructions. And he places 12 stones around the altar to symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel. He also, uh, he also has them dig a trench around the altar. Then I'm sure he confuses them with this next part. But he has them soak the altar three different times. So much so that the trench around the altar is full of water. Elijah wants them to know he ain't playing, and they're about to find out. Verse 36 through 38 says, At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also soaked up, or it says, licked up all the water in the trench. What a moment that must have been. God put it on full display. His fire consumed everything. You know, on a side note, How hot did that fire have to be to incinerate rock or stone? And it soaked up all the water, all in one brief moment. God was letting them know without question, He was, is, and forever will be the one true God. In this moment, the people turned their hearts back to God. 
But the false prophets, they were put to death. This story has so many good points. And every time I read it or hear the story, I get pumped up. This showdown of epic proportions has 850 false prophets against one true prophet who has them all outnumbered because God is on his side. Is if you know if God is on your side and if God is ordering your steps, it doesn't matter if the whole world stands against you. They will all be outnumbered and outmatched. It won't even be close. Elijah again demonstrates incredible faith. He knew what God told him to do, and he was completely confident in God to do that God would do what only God can do. Are we demonstrating that Elijah-sized faith? Are we completely confident that God will do what only he can do? Has God put something on your heart? Is he leading you to do something and you haven't allowed yourself to fully trust him that he will see you through like he did Elijah? Today, God is saying, let go of that doubt. Let go of that half-hearted, weak faith and grab hold of some Elijah-sized faith, a bold faith, and believe that, that I will do what I said I would do. Also, I see here that God shows an abundance of grace and mercy. His people turned from him and worshipped other gods, and God sent a drought to punish them, but followed it with mercy and showed them, you know, and showed them such mercy and compassion. You know, and he showed that to them through Elijah, and you know that he and he alone is to be worshipped. God gave them a chance to repent and turn their hearts back to him. God's, you know, God may send a drought your way to let you know you messed up, but he is merciful and full of love and compassion. He will get your attention so that he can get you back on track, so that he can bring you back into, into his favor, so that you can find rest in his shadow. Is there anything that you put ahead of God? Is there anything in your life that God is competing with regarding your attention, time, focus, etc.? If so, lay it on the altar and let God have all of you. God, I'm so pumped up for you. I feel like you have set my soul on fire. You have awakened my spirit with a burning passion for you, a desire to see your people walk in victory and live unrestrained and unshackled. Let us be a people who are unafraid to walk in your truth and boldly live for you, giving all that we have and all that we are to you. Let us empty our cups so that you can fill it. Awaken your people. Bring revival to your church. I pray that we would lay anything on the altar that is holding us back and let your holy fire consume it. Break down the wall. Strip away all of our human notions of who you are and what you want us to be and show us your ways, Lord. Teach us how to walk in your presence. Teach us how to have faith that pleases you. Let us fall in love with you. Help us to have that Elijah faith so that we, so that when we get knocked down, we can get up and say to the enemy, is that all you got? I am a child of God. You can't stop me. Thank you again, God, for your mercy and your grace and for the greatest act of love ever displayed when Jesus went to the cross. Let us honor that act of love by living a life that honors you and him. Amen.